Hey, podcast listeners, the Orthodox Center for the Advancement of Biblical Studies is sponsoring its annual biblical symposium at St. Elizabeth Orthodox Church in St. Paul, Minnesota, March 8 to 9, 2019. This year's keynote speaker is Dr. Robert Miller from the Catholic University of America. Meet Father Paul Tarazi and other scholars who will present and discuss papers on biblical exegesis and language. Join Father Mark Bulos and Dr. Richard Benton for a live recording of the Bible's Literature Podcast. Engage with others like you who are committed to biblical studies for all who have ears to hear. Register online at ephesusschool.org. Each week, the Bible as Literature podcast brings you in-depth discussion of the biblical text in a format short enough for your morning commute, but long enough to be substantive, posing difficult questions meant to keep you engaged. If you value this work, please consider donating as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 per month. To learn more, please visit patreon.com forward slash Bible. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Bible. Thank you. Hi. This is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. The head of the household in biblical terms is the one responsible for leading with the teaching of Scripture. Where civil characterizations of this role emphasize the acquisition of wealth, the Bible stresses obedience to God's instruction as the chief duty of both the biblical patriarch and the Roman patrician. A true parent is the one who provides instruction along with bread and shelter. That is why in the Orthodox and Catholic traditions, the one responsible for teaching is called Father. But what happens when the head of the household is himself disobedient? What if that person, who is responsible for the well-being of everyone, allows a member of his family to suffer because of a failure to teach? Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. You're listening to the Bible as literature. This is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 267 of the Bible as Literature podcast. Last week, we spent some time talking about the Roman centurion and how his function in the Gospel of Matthew illumines our understanding of the Roman household in the New Testament. Now, Richard, in verse 14, we turn back towards Israel with Peter's mother-in-law. Right. We had the leper who was healed, the centurion's servant, and now we have Peter's mother. So we continue this theme, but you're correct. We're moving from the centurion to Peter's mom, which is from a clear Gentile to a clear Jew. And this shift is significant. Again, we're dealing with a household. So to the extent that the trust the centurion placed in the command of Jesus Christ, facilitated the healing of his child, so too Peter now will be under the microscope. Does he place his trust in the command that comes from the lips of Jesus? When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. Now the difference here between Peter and the centurion is that unlike this Roman occupier, this unrighteous Gentile, Peter 
has the benefit of having already received the Torah as a son of Jacob. Yet, in Peter's household, his mother-in-law lies sick. And could we even push it to say that while the centurion did not presume to be worthy of Jesus to enter into his house, Peter might here be presuming that it's okay for Jesus to come into his house, that he's maybe worthy of Jesus? Is this a presumption on his part? On the one hand, we don't know for sure because the author doesn't say anything about Peter, but the contrast between Jesus entering into Peter's house and the centurion hoping that Jesus won't enter into his house because of his own unrighteousness seems significant. No question that it's significant. You can't, as you said, get into the psychology of Peter because this is not a psychological narrative. You can, however, see very clearly the behavior of Peter, the way in which he functions, as opposed to the behavior of the centurion. And you're right. Matthew doesn't give Peter a chance. The text assumes immediately that Jesus is entering the house. If you have already received Torah, you've already accepted the Messiah under your roof. So the test, in this sense, is more ominous. You assume that you're worthy because you have received the teaching, when in fact you should understand from the teaching that you are in much worse condition than the unrighteous centurion. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. Once she received the command directly from Jesus, she was able to stand up, she was no longer ill, and serve the master. This, to my ears, Richard, implies that because of Peter's lack of obedience, someone in his household was unable to act correctly until Jesus interceded directly. Significantly, the first thing she did when she was healed is diakonia, service. And this is what in Acts is the waiting of tables and serving the widows and the poor. We saw the leper who was told to serve and follow the law of Moses. We have the centurion who knows precisely when he is ordered to do something, he will do it. And we have here the mother-in-law of Peter. As soon as she receives Jesus, she immediately performs the aconia. This is the important part of the healing. Don't be misled by the healing itself, or you're going to end up like the crowds who one day are with Jesus and the next day are bored. The point of these healings is that the one who is healed can only be healed by setting aside his or her ego. Had Peter set aside his ego and accepted the instruction of the Torah, which was entrusted to him for the sake of of his household, of his family, his community, had he done so, not only would his mother-in-law not have been ill, but his household would have been a place of healing opened to others. This is an important point also, because if Peter's household were in good order from the start, the centurion would already have been taken care of. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. So here, because Peter did not have his house in order, I want to stress this point, many people were shut out. And it's not lost on me, Richard, that the example given in verse 16 is demon possession. We've talked at great length about how this function of 
demon possession, or being possessed by an evil spirit in the New Testament has everything to do with being controlled by a false teaching, which again is the responsibility of Peter, who is an apostle of the Lord. We've talked countless times already about what a spirit means. A spirit is that which animates you and causes you and enables you to act. If you have a good spirit, you perform good actions. If you have a bad spirit, you perform bad actions. So these people, because they have a bad spirit, they perform bad actions. Now, the spirit is not some kind of force that exists and permeates the body. That's not what it's talking about. Like you said, Father, it's a teaching. It's a teaching that forces you to perform bad actions or perform good actions. It's what teaching are you submitting to? And submission is precisely the theme that has gone all throughout this chapter as a follow-up to the sermon in chapters 5 through 7. So I agree with you, Father, that the fact that it is specifically those possessed with devils is important for understanding this sequence. Why does it go from a leper to a centurion's servant to a mother-in-law? One has a fever, one has leprosy, one has something else. But here it is demons, because the focus is on the teaching. Submitting to the correct teaching is the only criterion that Jesus is interested in. And so here we have a group of people who are following some of their teaching. They come in and he cast out the spirits with what? with his word. And it's the word here that's important, just as it was with the centurion. Only say the word and my servant will be healed. He cast out the spirits with his word. Our listeners at this point may be asking, why are you being so hard on Peter? There's nothing in the text that would suggest such a negative characterization of Peter in the story. And here I want to disagree fervently, because the function Peter has already received God's instruction. You cannot minimize the importance of this point. He has the advantage of the law. And here I can hear the Apostle Paul speaking in the letter to the Romans. But what advantage is that to Peter if he doesn't act any differently than the Gentile? You have these two characters in Matthew put side by side in order to illustrate the folly of Peter's stumbling. And this is underscored in verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. What's important here in the original context of Isaiah is that the prophet is not talking about the Messiah or specifically about Jesus. The prophet is talking about Israel. Israel is the suffering servant. Israel is the one who was called by God to bear the infirmities of others. Peter was called in chapter 4 to take care of others, to be a fisher of men. And here, it's only when Jesus intercedes in his household that suddenly the household is opened up to those who are infirm. It's understandable that that would be the case with the Gentile. But with Peter, who left his net when he was first called, why is someone sick in his household? Why is Peter not the one stepping up to bear their infirmities? I think here, the fact that Jesus is stepping in because Peter, and by extension, the sons of Jacob, were not fulfilling their duty to Isaiah chapter 53. When you read in Isaiah 53, you know, 
this is verse 4 that Matthew was quoting, but if you read further in Isaiah, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it's a focus on how the sheep went astray, how they were bearing their own sin and it was cast onto the one who is going to carry it away. Now, it's also important that with these healings, this teaching would be fulfilled. This is a subtle point that people will miss. All these healings that we saw in chapter 8, they're capped off with this verse in that the word of Isaiah might be fulfilled. The fulfillment, the filling was not of these infirm bodies. It was so that the word would be preached. It was so that the word of Isaiah would come to the people through these actions of Jesus, but these actions of Jesus came through his word. The word of Isaiah is of utmost importance. I'm just going to say it again. I'm pedantic. I know this. Don't get distracted by the healings like the crowds. Listen to Jesus's word. It's Jesus who is taking on the rebellion and the sin of these people, just like sheep who left their shepherd. The way I would explain it simply is that a text that was not written about Jesus in the Old Testament can very easily be applied to Jesus in the story of the New Testament. But it's applied in this sense, that Matthew is presenting Jesus as the one who does what Israel was incapable of doing. The healings here in Matthew functionally pertain to the restoration of the entire household. That is what we're talking about, the healing of the body, the body of the household, of the community. Even though Peter had the instruction, his household was also in disrepair. Matthew is written in order to demonstrate what Isaiah was saying in the first place, to preach Isaiah to the Gentile community. And at the same time, he's challenging the Jewish community that in order for the household of Abraham to be whole, to be complete, to be healed, it has to include not just the infirm and the demon-possessed, but the outsider. Thanks very much, Dr. Benton. Thank you, Father. Just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.